Welcome to Boiling Point. Australia is among the world leaders of successful organ transplants. However, nearly 2,000 people are on the transplant waiting list at any one time. There are just not enough organs and tissues for everyone who needs them. Wouldn't it be handy if we could just make organs from scratch? Sounds crazy, but our guest is working on exactly that. Her technique? She prints them. There's still a long way to go, but science is underway. Listen to the story in just a moment. Welcome back to Boiling Point, the weekly science show on Eastside 89.7 FM. Tonight in the studio is your host, Tom. Hello. And Kat. And our guest is Luca Altefugt. Luca is originally from Germany and currently a PhD candidate in chemical engineering at the University of New South Wales in Sydney. And in her PhD, Luca works on printing organs with the help of 3D printers. Welcome to the show, Luca. Hello. Thanks for having me. Luca was printing organs mm. in a 3D printer, something you would have imagined yourself doing as a kid? Oh, no, never. <laughs> like besides into, like getting into research, um, I mean, the area about bioprinting is like a bit serial. Um, yeah, I think I can even not imagining it today that maybe in the future this could be part uh, of our lives so yeah did you have any other dreams you wanted to did you like any you want to become a vet or any of those um, kids dreams oh yeah i think at some point i wanted to be a photographer uh, another point a teacher uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice but organ printing it became um how did you get into this field Oh, well, I started my bachelor in biochemistry and then I kind of switched into this interdisciplinary area. And then I um, also during my master's, I was always doing like something in between the section of chemistry and biology. And then I read about this bioprinting area and was really fascinated by it. And then, yeah, I'm more I was more happy than uh, just to add another discipline, the engineering part. Um, Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think it's something that people who are not in science might find it a bit difficult to imagine. It's pretty cool that these days it is, yeah, like a lot of fields are really, um, yeah, transdisciplinary almost, right? So you're actually, you're actually a biochemist, but then you work with, um, yeah, with people who do engineering and uh, bioengineering and all those things. And now you're one of them. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Quite a transition. <laughs> Cool. Okay. So let's get into detail. So it might sound pretty straightforward when you think of, yeah, printing an organ, like most people have seen a 3D printer these days, looks straight or sounds straightforward, but it's probably not, as most people can imagine, I'm sure. So um, let's start with the printer. Is it is it a conventional 3D printer or what type of 3D printer is it? Well, in our research group, we actually transformed a commercial 3D printer for plastic just into a bioprinter. And all we had to do is transform like the printing head into like one where we can uh, insert a syringe and then um, add the bio ink and then we can push out the bio ink through a, um, with a screw. And um, yeah, and then we can just um, print like a this our bio ink uh, in a layer by layer matter and um, build 3D structures like this. Yeah, very cool. So from the little preparation I did before the show, I read that there are very specialized printers out on the market as well, though, right? Like they're actually you can buy printers that are made specifically for 
organ 3D printing? Yeah, nowadays the, uh, the market is increasing and of course there are like commercial bioprinters and they're getting better and better and they see the potential of course and uh, yeah. Uh, But I guess they are way more expensive, right, than if you take a normal 3D printer and you just modify it a bit? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, ours then we can also manually modify it if we want to um, adjust it to our purposes and um Yeah, for research is uh, quite nice, but of course, like for commercialization, uh, is then better to with a proper bioprinter. So when you say it's a it's an off-the-shelf product that you modified, is this like a ten thousand dollar printer from one of the big manufacturers, or is it a five hundred dollar printer from eBay? I have a five hundred dollar from eBay or from Aldi. <laughs> well, something in between. It's not the most expensive three uh, D printer, but also not the cheapest one. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So maybe you can start a little organ factory. Mm, this sounds a bit touchy. <laughs> <laughs> It does at this point, but who knows in the future? Um, okay, cool. So printer tick. We know all about it now. So. Um, The substrate to print organs is something called bio-ink. What are the different ingredients in the bio-ink? Sounds like something a bit magical, to be honest. Well, it's, it's actually pretty simple. It's just um, you need biopolymers or also yeah, polymers and the living cells. And the polymers, they hold the cells in the desired shape and support their growth in the beginning. And then in the with the time, they naturally degrade and disappear and then the cells will take over what sorry what material is that the the substrate uh the polymers they are like mostly uh, like natural derived like for example gelatin collagen or hyaluronic acid and um yeah most scientists then chemically modify them to make them even more suitable for uh, 3d bioprinting And so we just uh, can we just imagine that the cells are being put into like a little nest of gummy bears to have it nice and comfortable? Yeah, exactly. You can, <laughs> uh, you can imagine that. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. And um, yeah, and then we have the cells, of course. And um, you told me in our little chat beforehand that they're already part, or as you said now, they're already part of the bio, which I find pretty cool. Like I read in the preparation that um, in the old days when bioprinting just started, then they would they would print a scaffold first and then put the cells in later, but now it's all together. So what kind of cells would you use for that and where do they come from? So we mostly use stem cells and um, they have the benefit uh, that we can instruct them to, to differ differentiate into a certain way. So we can use them to grow into a specific tissue and organ. And uh, the stem cells are coming from your own body, so we have less risk of immune rejection. And, um, yeah, that's uh, great for, of course, later um, for the clinical one. Yeah, cool. So stem cells, I'm sure most people have heard about it, but I'm sure if you, if you ask anyone on the street, what are stem cells? I think they would have an issue. So can you give us a little summary? What exactly are stem cells? Uh, well, stem cells, they are like um, in the, they are just unspecialized and they can grow into any sort of cell, um, like from muscle cell to brain cell. And there are different stages of specialization. Uh, pluripotent, uh, pluripotent stem cells are the highest. And you can, for example, imagine that 
as an embryo, like you have most of the um, pluripotent uh, stem cells. And um, in like as an adult, uh, you can find stem cells in bone marrow, adipose uh, tissue, or also in the blood. So, so is there can I can I imagine it in that way that most of the tissues in our body have not all of them, I think, but most of them would have like a little stock of stem cells for the specific organ. So if it needs repair or growth or whatever then it would basically draw those additional cells from the stem cells and then they like wait in like an immature stage and then they specialize if needed like for example when we have a wound is that is that how it works how um, yeah, exactly skin gets repaired basically yeah you can imagine like a stem cell as a, like a mother cell and then they can differentiate in different daughter cells and each goes into like a different uh, direction has a different pathway in their life and then uh, yeah yeah cool and um, I think most people would have heard of that it's kind of an increasing trend of um, umbilical blood that when a baby is born if you if you can if you want to and if you have the money um, to have the blood from the umbilical cord, um, cord stored then this is like the prime type of um, of stem cells right and you can like freeze it and then if you need it later for some kind of like cancer therapy or whatever then um, it can be used so I guess um, so yeah you find it in babies and embryos but even still in in adults which I find pretty cool yeah that's true. And I also read a little bit, but not, not too much more about that, actually, but a little bit that um, it was believed that if you have like stem cells in your bone marrow, they can only develop into like what they were um, like into that one type of, of cell. But now they found that if you treat it with certain whatever hormones and stuff, that they can actually like kind of re- See, I'm lacking words here, but they can kind of reprogram to be whatever cell they want to be. Exactly. They can be like the highest point, highest level of like specialization. So, yeah, whereas like, okay, there you can really get into any cell. Um, so, yeah, that's also a big, yeah. Yeah, big research area, kind of the stem cells. Yeah, like. definitely very cool. Oh, and one more thing before we move on with our organ printing. One thing I remember is that, um, like, I mean, cancer is pretty nasty anyway, and the cells are pretty uh, crazy when they're like, when they've mutated and they grow like crazy. But I heard that sometimes in tumors, um, I know that from dogs, if they have a tumor in their like memory glands, they, it's rare, but they can have like teeth and um, hair growing in there because the cells are kind of reprogrammed to produce something completely different, which is crazy and oh, scary. Wow. I didn't but know that. I know. Well, <laughs> I don't really want to imagine, but it is possible. Yeah, I've, I've heard that as well before, and I think it's yeah, it's happening also in humans. Oh, no. no, it was. I think it was better if we just imagined. No, that only happens in dogs. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, okay, cool. Let's move on. So we talked about the substrate um, that makes it really nice and cozy for the cells, and um, then we have the cells which come from the the person itself. So um, there wouldn't be, as you said, not much of immune re reaction like with um, when you get a organ donated from someone else then you have to give the person lots of medication so the immune system wouldn't um, reject the organ so that's all very handy and there's one more ingredient in the in the bio ink the enzymes and hormones what what do they do what's their job yeah so after the printing is it's essential that the cells uh, can grow and proliferate 
Um, so there you can add like different kind of uh, growth factors or other additives to help them uh, feeling comfy, as you said, and um, yeah, support their growth and um, yeah, kind of take over uh, then the structure. And I guess it's also to kind of tell them what to basically what to become is that part of it like growth hormones for example so they so the cells actually know what they're supposed to do is that part of what they do what the hormones and enzymes do yeah there are different kind of um, factors which can like you can kind of direct the cells um, what they have to do um, but yeah they can also do that Yeah, cool. All right. So um, then we have the freshly printed organ, but it is um, so it just came off the off the printer, basically, but it's still far from ready. What has to happen next? Well, now we incubate the tissue, the organ. Uh, so um, we feed the cells with nutrients and um, so it can kind of, yeah, feel healthy and uh, grow into the shape and um, yeah and then is that already the nutrients is that already part of the bio ink or do you have to add that over time uh, it's kind of you put the tissue in like a media full of nutrients uh, so nice. uh, yes <laughs> like a good um, good beef stock or something mm. yeah something <laughs> like that <laughs> a nice swimming pool Oh, no chlorine, though, I'm sure. That wouldn't be very helpful. Cool. Okay. And then how long would that take to to grow? Like, how long would it take till it's finished? Yeah, a couple of weeks, um, I would suggest. But, yeah. It also depends a lot on what you want to grow, right? Exactly. And yeah. on the size, of course. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're growing a, a new liver, then it's going to take a while. <laughs> oh well that makes sense so okay so we talked all about the theory and now i guess the question is what's the current state of the research there that sounds all really really good and it would be amazing if this was already used in practice and in medical in therapy right but yeah unfortunately it's not so um tell us what's the current status what has been achieved with it and what's still in development yeah well there are a lot of challenges still to overcome um, to like print a fully functional major organ like a heart or a liver but we can already print like simple organs like a bladder or meniscus um, and about, yeah. sorry yeah, the bladder I found that on Wikipedia don't tell anyone <laughs> but so that was even done already done in 1999 that they printed a functional bladder or like um, then matured that bladder and it was in the patient for like more than 10 years and it worked totally fine so that's really impressive right yeah that's, that's really, really cool really good, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah yeah what else what else has been printed and um, used successfully anything else well there was a big news I think um, there was like yeah all over the science um, news that um, some researchers they actually printed like a little a small heart and, and the size of a rabbit um and it was actually yeah kind of working um but <laughs> was that the size of a rabbit heart or the size of a full-grown rabbit ah no it's the size of a rabbit heart okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like because a rabbit yeah, that's is quite fine. big right? <laughs> it's like that's a normal human heart <laughs> oh, no. yeah. cool okay and that was it i think it wouldn't it wasn't um, transplanted into any living no. being but it was still functional that it was um contracting and all that right so it yeah. had like the the proper blood vessels and um yeah it was like a miniature model of a heart yeah, yeah that's 
that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, that was just done recently, right? Like um, a few years ago that, they, yeah, that yeah. they managed that. Nice, cool. And what I also found was that there are some Polish researchers who are currently working on printing a fully functioning, or they have managed to uh, print a prototype of a fully functioning pancreas. And they're like testing it at the moment. So that's that's really good too. Cool. Okay, so... Um, what do you think? What's your prediction? It's obviously very hard to predict, but how much longer will it take till this technology enables us to really print those organs and use them in human bodies? Yeah, that's a really tough question. Um, but I still think it will take uh, many years um, because there are still like so many challenges like um, to make a really fully functional um, like vascularization or also the scale, um, I think, yeah, it will. And then also clinical trials always take a lot of time. So I think um, mm. maybe probably until we are old, maybe then, uh, <laughs> but then it would be too expensive for us probably. So. <laughs> oh no, yeah, they, I guess it's always the first step. Then it's it's doable and viable, but then it's still really expensive and then it takes another 20 years mm. till like everyone can afford it, right? Oh yeah. no, we're born too early. <laughs> and, mm. I mean, the, I just recently read a book about aging and and um, the science of aging and there's some, some good uh, things coming along in the aging, so maybe we can just age a bit slower and then the organ printing comes uh, yeah, comes maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but so you were saying with vascular systems that's that's part of the of an issue as well and i guess that's a, a big problem especially with with things like heart well in the end every, every organ needs to be um saturated with blood vessels in yeah to just to deliver the cells with nutrients and also for waste removal like the vascular system is very yeah. important and yeah there are some approaches how to uh, do that but so far it hasn't been achieved yet yeah. so. <laughs> so so are you like print almost printing the tubes through the yeah for example that's one approach that's like oh. you kind of print the vascular system but then that, that, that it really mimics the exact uh, environment as in the mm original um, heart for example that's um, a big challenge so talking about challenges that's a very good point what are the usual what challenges do you face when you do your experiments at uni or what are the general challenges of this this field of research to overcome yeah well as i said like the like vascular system for example or the scale up is a big challenge but um, also a really basic challenge which I also face is like that the bio ink has to meet a lot of criteria at the same time so it not only needs to meet the requirements for the printing process um, that it has to be the the right fluid properties um, and then also be stable enough after the printing to not like immediately collapse but then also the biology that the cells are happy inside uh, this uh, structure and uh, that the material is actually non-toxic and support the growth. Um, so to beat all this in one material um, is yeah very hard. That sounds super hard. And I guess, yeah, there are also so many different factors in the body. It's so complex, right? Like all those hormones, enzymes, different different um chemicals in there and yeah yeah and different and uh, like different cells needs different uh kind of environment as well so it's like for every 
organ or tissue you need something else it's uh yeah <laughs> yeah it sounds pretty exhausting that's for sure but you told me earlier that you really enjoy it so i'm glad because this sounds <laughs> sounds a bit like almost impossible but i'm glad you're enjoying the process so do you want to do you want to run us through one of your experiments like what do you actually do practically well first step is of course like preparing the bio ink um so putting the biopolymers which we also chemically modify before um into yeah the same kind of um batch and then we add the cells and um yeah and then as soon as it has the right fluid properties um then we kind of put it in the printer and can print it and uh, to make it more stable uh, we kind of photo cross link it so it kind of forms even more bonds with each other so um, yeah it makes it more stable for the printed structure afterwards and yeah and then we put it in the swimming pool of <laughs> <a nutrient. laughs> and um, see what happens kind of yeah cool mm. and then would th would it often happen that it dies before you can you actually find it to be mature or like what's the what's the what's the main issue or is it then at the end you find out oh it's still alive but oh it's not functional or yeah i mean like we see for example when we see like um the stiffness um the if we have like a yeah more viscous uh solution the cells like it better but then the printing is not as accurate the resolution is really bad um so it's kind of like okay making a compromise between okay the printing accuracy and then the cell viability and um yeah and then yeah trying to make both happen <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very challenging for sure and there i thought my 3D print, plastic 3D printing um, was was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in comparison. Um, then one area we haven't touched on at all is, so at the beginning I talked about organ transplants and the whole issue around it that we definitely need more in every country to, yeah, basically to satisfy the need for, for organs. But um, there are other, like what are the other fields which um, would benefit from organ printing where else can it be used um well another good opportunity for 3d tissue printing is that we can develop like disease relevant um, tissue models so we can already try out some drug or um, various compounds to learn how they affect uh, like a real 3d model of tissue and it's more cost effective like than for example rat studies um and of course um also more ethical <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice and um yeah they they are already like these days um there are lots of experiments done on cell cultures right but these are mostly um flat like 2d basically so one layer of cells and that would be the next level i guess right like no living organism that can feel pain or suffer but it would be um pretty close to the real thing so exactly and it would be with your own cells like with human cells uh, in a yeah kind of tissue-like model and it's yeah the accuracy to then clinical studies would be way better yeah nice and uh, well one other potential use i found is like for i guess for training of surgeons for example so they get a real heart and don't have to yeah 
wait for someone to die to practice on. So I guess that's that's pretty handy as well. Mm-hmm. So when when you do your experiments, do you use um, whose stem cells do you use for that? Um, or can you donate your own? <laughs> yeah, well, now we, you, of course, we're just using like cheap ones, also from right now, also from pigeon or something. But yeah, of course, if we want to go further, um, like um, mimicking more than the human body, then we probably have to go to the clinic and maybe they have uh, some <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> nice, cool. Okay, so um, that's all. That's all really cool. So, what is your what is your hope for the future? Like, do you? I mean, you're still in your PhD, and uh, you shouldn't have to worry about anything beyond. But is this a field you want to stay in and like kind of um, help bringing the field forward or? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this and um yeah, it would be great to further work in this area. Um especially now like also seeing this kind of moving into a further stage of uh, like not just um going from research but then also how this can tr- transformed or um, applicated in the industry so yeah that would be great yeah i'm sh- i can imagine there would be a lot of money to make from right if that's uh, being if that's commercialized then uh, yep that's yeah that's of course uh, yeah we always like to say here that um, there's not much money in doing research but in some areas there is <laughs> i mean you can put it also um in a in a positive way there's also a lot of suffering to be um, prevented and a lot of lives to be saved. So. Of course, thanks for that yes. um, ethical comment. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Nice. All right. So um, we have to slowly wrap up, but um, you picked a song for us. What did you pick to to end up on? Well, since we are all still young and hopefully um, don't need an organ yet, and um, that's why I thought um, Still Young by the Cat Empires uh, would be a good fit. <laughs> that sounds great. That is so well connected. I love it. That's, I haven't even thought of that before. Thanks for that. All right. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Luca, for being our guest tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to Boiling Point. We will be back with a new science story next week. And if you like this episode, as always, um, subscribe to us on um, your podcast app or on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. And we will finish up with a song that um, Luca just mentioned, Still Young by Cat Empire. Bye for now. First I saw you standing there Eyes so wide beneath your head Coat worn blacker than the sun Shook your head like strongness strong Stood like soldiers in a land Heard the bells of midnight chime We turned grey walls to fields of green The only faith that we could scream Was while you're still young Find your There's a dream that haunts my nights 
Wild black horses out in 